Hello, this is Deborah Clay, fiction author and podcaster, and this is Castaway Books. I have been asking authors to tell me about the books that have influenced their life and inspired their writing. Now it's time to shine the light on book bloggers, those amazing writers who tirelessly support and cheer on authors with their book reviews. This week's guest is Anne Williams. Hello, I am so delighted to meet Anne Williams because Anne, I'm afraid, is responsible for my very long to be read read (laughs) list (laughs) because I think Anne and I like lots of similar books. But I wanted to do Castaway Books um, Meet the Bloggers so that we could say thank you to these wonderful book bloggers who spend so much time um, supporting authors and introducing books to readers. So delighted to have you with us, Anne. And it's lovely to be here, Deborah. Tell us a little bit about Being Anne, when it started, and then we'll go into your books. Oh, right. Well, I started Being Anne. um, I started Being Anne. (laughs) That was strange, didn't it? Um, I started the blog in 2013, February 2013. And it was largely because I was enjoying chatting about books online with lots of other people. I mean, computers were a fairly newish thing in 2013, and I, I just enjoyed doing that. And when some of the people I was chatting to decided to set blogs up, I thought I'd do it as well. Just doing nothing else other than just reviewing the books I was reading. That was all. And it just took off. (laughs) And it took off to a ridiculous extent, really. Um, To the point that I was really surprised that everybody was enjoying reading the reviews so much. So when retirement came a couple of years later, I switched it all across onto WordPress and I decided I'd step up the action a bit. and now, well, 12,000 followers. And I think people kind of like it. And I like it, I like it too. <laughs> I love it. I always look. I try not to look until I've got some space to read some. I think, no, I, no, I no. do apologise for your bank balance. <laughs> as, just as I was waiting for you to join me, I was reading your review of um, The Lost Air, which I, which I ah, right. take on holiday. I'd recommend that one. Um, I love all of Jane Caper's books. <laughs> okay, well, shall we go straight into your first book? Certainly. My first book is The Weird Stone of Brinsingerman by Alan Garner. And, and um, I chose this one really because I didn't want to do Enid Blyton like everybody else does for their first book. <laughs> um, having said that, I was a fan of Enid Blyton. I remember Enid Blyton well. I, 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 the famous five, I always... Um, felt more about George than I did about Anne. I always thought Anne was a little bit on the boring side. But I I think what I gravitated towards more was the sort of um, magic and fantasy type books. Um, I can remember loving the Narnia books um, and obviously moved on to Tolkien like everybody else my age did at the time. Um, And I think it all sort of stems really from the fact that when you're brought up in Wales, you're brought up on things like the Mabinogion, and you believe in dragons and fairies and the like. And it was just a natural extension, really. And what was so lovely about this book, and I think it's perhaps one of the lesser known ones of, of, of its kind, or maybe that's wrong of me to say that, but I think it is, um, is that it was grounded in reality. It was a really exciting story with two two children. It was set around Alderley Edge, which was a kind of familiar um, backdrop. Um, and it had a, a, an edge of darkness to it that was something that I just haven't come across before. So mm. I just thought I'd introduce it to other people. Bit of a step up from um, 
the the same famous five and their islands and uh, just a little bit just a little bit <laughs> so how old were you when you were reading that um do you know I honestly have no idea I mean what I'm what I was thinking back about when I was thinking about children's books was I was thinking about the fact that I grew up among books mm. um my mother always read to me um and 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 read with me later when I was actually reading myself um, and I can remember being surrounded by books because there were large floor-to-ceiling alcoves in the lounge that were full of books. And mum used to belong to a book club that used to send her hardback books regularly that always caused a lot of excitement. And uh, and we used to enjoy that. So I think probably for this one, I was probably, um, I, I'm not sure what year it came out in, but I was probably about seven or eight, I suppose, something like that. My dad used to belong to a book club, and I don't know about your mum's books, but his covers were all the same. But yes, all the Dickens were all the same, and I was sure he just chose his because he liked the look of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I I don't remember read. what it was called. Can you the the, the, the actual book club? Was it actually mm. called the? Book I recently club, cleared out his home, our childhood home, because I lost mm. I lost my father um, during the pandemic, which I said to you, I believe, will come oh, to right. that. Yeah. And um and I felt sad parting with them all, but they 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 all look the same. So you've got all of the he he loved Dickens, all of the Dickens, then all of the I don't know, and they've all got these same bland covers. Absolutely, yes, exactly. I, I funny enough, I got rid of all mums as well when when I packed up the family home. The same, um, <laughs> and it was quite sad to see some of them go. But having said that, they just didn't look particularly attractive on the shelf. No. I wasn't going to read them again, really. No. Oh. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you as well, but or the other, sorry, I was going to say, growing up having lots of books in the in the house and uh -huh. parents that were reading is a really good start in life because I know some adults who very few adults because my friends are all obviously readers or writers, mm -hmm. but I'd have the occasional friend who say that they haven't read, they don't read books because they never had books in the house growing up. Yes, books I, don't, I agree. I've heard people say that as well. And I I just find it strange. Sad, yeah. really. Yeah. They've been deprived of that. I took my um, daughter's friend when she was eight to the public library and she'd never been in it before. Right. And she couldn't believe that you could take a book for free. I checked with her mum that I could enrol her. And she, said that <laughs> good. and she said, really, I don't have to pay. And I can take any book and I don't have to pay. And I love it. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so on to your second book. Yes, and that's the libraries is quite a good theme for that, that one, actually. My second book is Bride of Pendoric uh, by Victoria Holt. But really, it's just a, a symbol of, of, of the reading that I used to be doing at that stage. We're talking early teens now. Mm -hmm. um, and my nearest library was in Bangor, which was five miles away. So once a fortnight, I would catch the bus on a Saturday morning and pick up my five books for the week. In fact, in fact, they, they enlarged the allowance at some point, I was thinking the other day, because I'm sure I used to take all more than five. But maybe I purloined my mother's membership or something. I don't really know mm -hmm. quite sure how that happened. But um, I fairly quickly exhausted all the classics when I was going there, um, all the sort of accepted classics and then moving on to the more modern classics. Um, and then I started to look around and I thought, well, what I want to do really is to try and find authors that have written more than one book, because then if I enjoy one book, I can carry on and read the rest of the series. And um, I tried Georgette Heyer. I can remember trying Georgette Heyer and I just didn't take to her at all. And I know that's awful for a romance reader, but but I'm afraid I've just never caught up on her at all. 
But um, one day when I was there, um, I noticed uh, Victoria Holt and there were several shelves of Victoria Holt. <laughs> and I thought, how wonderful. And, and her books, have you ever read them? I have. I can't bring any to mind, but I, re- I very I long time ago. I did read them. Yeah, because they had um, they had sort of feisty heroines. They had they had heroes that your heart sort of went out to. They were a little bit on the gothic side. Um, they sometimes had exotic locations, but there were so many of them, and that's what I really <laughs> loved. So, and then I discovered that she wrote under other names. There was Philippa Carr for other romances. Mm-hmm. And then there was um, Jean Plady for her historical ones. And I got very into the historical ones at one time. I've no idea if they'd stand up these days. I really don't know. But um, her real name, let me just check my notes, is um, Eleanor Burford. Oh. was Eleanor Burford. And I just have to say thank you to her for igniting my love of romantic fiction, really. She wrote loads of books when you count both names that she wrote under. Right. She wrote under about seven or eight in all, I think, but mm. I only ever found three. Mm. So they were quite um, intelligent, the classics that you were reading. You must have been a bright a bright girl. I um, Yes, I, I, I enjoyed my classics I, I, and, and I really did read everything. Um, I, I very much like Victorian mm. literature and I went on to read that more at university. Did you, did you um, do history at university? I did English at university. Oh. And do you still enjoy reading um, historical romance mostly? I uh, I went off it for a while. I got very um, sort of romantic comedy-ish for a long time, mm. but I've just reacquired my liking for it. There was a time when all I could read was dual time ones because I needed the modern thread to balance the historical. But um, I find I like straight history now as well widening mm, mm. my taste again I think you go through phases with reading don't you yes, there's, yes there's, there's times when there's certain types of books that sort of suit your mood yeah absolutely you've got quite eclectic taste really haven't you yeah I've had my moments <laughs> <laughs> well your next book is one that I think all, all girls of about 15 oh. when it came out I think that was about sex education so do tell us about <laughs> this book Something really strange happened when I finished university, because obviously if you're doing English at university, you do an awful lot of reading and it's reading to deadlines and it's reading stuff that you don't necessarily want to read. And, you know, for a long time, it killed my love of reading altogether. Um, I I just didn't read for pleasure anymore. The only time I ever picked books up um, was when I was on holiday. I was working for the DHSS in Cardiff at the time and used to do a lot of holidays out to the Greek islands and whatever. And this was um, this was the era of the Bonkbuster, as yeah. you said. You know, <laughs> Jackie Collins, you had all Robbins, all those. And But, I mean, um, Shirley Conran was the one, wasn't she, really? <laughs> mm, nice. My mum read it, and I read it, and I thought, look back, and I think to myself, it probably wasn't so appropriate for me to read that. We're really, they're really quite... <laughs> <laughs> quite hot really wasn't it I was working out how old I was at the time actually because I, no- I noticed it was put out in 1982 so I would have been late 20s then so so not so bad for me <laughs> yeah. was it only 82 no it was yeah. I looked at oh. fantastic fiction this morning and it was 1982 trying to work out how... well I was older then yes no I was older then mm. Mm. yeah I was 22 I thought I was yeah. younger mm. <laughs> mind you there were others before do you remember Jacqueline Suzanne? Yes, yes. Read her. 
And Harold Robbins was a bit... And Harold Robbins was going before, too. Yes, he yes. was. The Carpetbaggers. Yep. <laughs> and Sidney <laughs> Sheldon, that was another one. Yes, who wrote Women, Women as Substance? Barbara Taylor Bradford. I oh, like she, she didn't do the open bedroom door bit, though, did no, she? No, no, she didn't, but there was a <laughs> era of um, powerful women. Yeah, same era, though. It was still the big books that used to take on holiday. Mm, yeah. But it was about 1980 when women were discovering their power in the workplace. And That's right. And those books yeah. all came out, and I loved all of them as well. There was that bit of glamour about them as well, mm. wasn't there? I mean, you know, what we were watching on telly was your Dallas and your dynasty and whatever, yeah. and it just yeah. sort of carried through into the books, really. Big shoulder pads. Yeah, yeah. I still have some somewhere. <laughs> up until about 1980 women didn't um have much power really did they you gave up work oh, when you got not. married or there yeah. was an attitude that you ought to you know an expectation that you gave up work once you got married or had children there was a there was a very limiting factor to to to, to women at work really because I can remember um I knew I was ready for promotion when I was working in Cardiff um, and I can remember seeing my boss and saying, you know, is it not time now that you were considering me to, to go forward? And he said, not until you're 30. And it was that arbitrary that, that if you, I was a woman under 30, I wasn't fit to be a manager. Do you think it's the assumption that you might have children? I suspect so. Yeah, my daughter, chance of that, mate. <laughs> yeah, my daughter gets very cross even now. She's 34 and she spent the last four years assuring people that she manages that she is not going to be having children. They can't say yeah. it outright, but she doesn't want to have children. No. She wants a career. And she said, I know that they keep thinking they, they you know, hint that yeah. if you have children. Well, it'd be nice to think that that would change, wouldn't yeah. it? But it obviously hasn't. No. I don't think so. Mm. Yeah. I don't expect women to give up work, but they think, well, you're going to have time off on, on maternity leave and yeah. you're perhaps not going to have the full commitment because you've got That's to right. do both. Yes, I think you're right there. Mm, shame. <laughs> okay, so go on to your fourth book. Yes, the um, fourth book is Fast Friends by Jill Mansell. Um, whenever anybody asks me what's the book that got me back into reading, and I'm in my 40s now, that's that's the time scale that we're talking about. Right. So it lasted a long time, that impact of going Amazing. to university. Um, it's, it's this Jill Mansell book that I always mention. I can't remember an awful lot about it, but what it did for me um, was it opened up the door to all the other massive number of writers that were starting to produce books that I enjoyed at the time. Mm. You know, because people like Carol Matthews, Sue Moorcroft, whatever, they all came very quickly afterwards. So it was lovely, really, to be reintroduced to reading, and I started to enjoy it again. Mm -hmm. That was a very long time to have off reading, given that you're such a bookworm. Yeah, but there was work, <laughs> and, and I was enjoying myself. Because when I moved to Cardiff, remember, I came from a, a small village in North Wales. I'd been to Hull to university, which isn't exactly centre of the universe. And all of a sudden I was living in a big city and I was in my 20s mm. and there was too much living to do, really. The, the, the books just took a back seat for a while. But as I say, by my 40s, I settled down a bit. <laughs> so what wild things did you do in Hull in your 20s? <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> <Can> you <really? laughs> No, Cardiff was the um, where I grew up, I think, more than anything else. You know, taking benefit claims in the daytime and then um, out all night afterwards. It was that sort of uh, time. Yeah, when well, we used to have enough energy to do that. No, yes, I can remember coming home in the early hours and then going into work. Yeah, fond mm. <laughs> <Fond> memories. <laughs> uh, so around this time, you decided to start your your blog, being Anne. Yes. At that time, was that really quite a new thing? 
yes, it was really. Um, there weren't that many of us when I started. Um, there were a few names that are still around that you would recognise. Um, but no, there were few of us. But it was a fun thing to do. We all we all started, I think, on a fairly basic platform. Um, but but it was just it was the time, I think. It was just something nice to do. And what was rather nice about it was that it started from just reading the books that you happen to have around the house. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, people began to realise, the publishers began to realise and the authors began to realise that we could be a helpful form of um, publicity for them. So then the request started to come in about, would you like to review this one? Or, you know, how about coming to this launch and then we'll give you a copy and you can talk about it. And it just grew and grew and grew. But um, these days, there are a tremendous number of bloggers. If you, if you, you only have to look through Twitter how many reviews you see posted. Mm. So there are very many. You were one of, the, one of the, the forefront of it all then, really. It was an exciting time. It was exciting times. Mm. You must and it still is, to some extent. Yes. You must have seen big changes in book publishing during those 10 years. Yes, obviously the independent sector has grown tremendously. And I must say that the majority of my reading tends to come from small publishers and the independent sector. It's, it's what I prefer because I think that really they're the people that, that need the push. And if I've got the ability to give them a bit of a push, then that's what I like doing. And we appreciate it. Good. <laughs> Thank you. I never doubted it for a moment. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's a lovely community, right? Yes, very much so. All of them. I've just been amazed. The world it's opened up for me since I um, started publishing, the world of being a writer and just the community, all the other writers, they're not... Because it's lonely, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I have a lot of no authors have told me it's lonely. Yeah. But it, it's just that the writing community is, is so warm and generous and supportive and inclusive. And it's not the way you might imagine it. You might imagine it would be competitive, but it really isn't. It's so Very supportive. Yes, very much so. Because mm. you've recently joined the Romantic Novelist Association as well. I have. I was thrilled. Oh, now there's um, a community that 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 supports its own. I th I, th I think it's wonderful. And it mm. was something you had posted that made me realise it was worth having another go because mm. I had been turned down in the past because I didn't have enough um sales. Yes, there used to be a minimum sales rule, didn't there? And I mm. wasn't aware it had changed. And you wrote something on your blog. And I thought, oh, mm. I'll have another look. Oh, God. And then I got in. <laughs> and I went to my first RNA conference um, a couple Excellent. of weeks ago. Good. Wonderful. And I met mm -hmm. all the lovely um, authors that I've interviewed on Castaway Books. I'm sure, yes. Shelby, Jessica Redland. Um, I've got names out now and I forget. But it was just so lovely to meet them in real life. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually one of the other things that's really nice about blogging. Um, and it was a, a, a it was a, an impact from it really that I hadn't expected, and that was the social life that it created, because when I retired and I was I was looking for you know what I was going to do in the future, I mean there were so many launches, parties, get-togethers, festivals, meetings, and just meetups one to one with 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 authors and other bloggers, and and it's created a, a whole new world for me, which mm. I love. Mm -hmm. I feel very much part of it and it's nice that, that that bloggers are accepted as part of it I think that's that's admirable an essential part of it <laughs> probably so but having said that they could still keep us out on the edges it's <laughs> <laughs> great so let's go on to book five right book five 
forgive me fiddling about. I've just written them on cards in front of me, just in case I forget what the books are that I chose. <laughs> um, my fifth book was Letters to the Lost by Iona Gray. Um, and I, I chose this one because, you know, the way people, people often say to you, what is your favourite ever book? And I find that absolutely impossible to answer. So just for ease of reference, I always say that's this one. That this is the one that I always name because it's kind of representative of the books that I enjoy because it's a dual time one. It's emotional. It's beautifully written. And I loved it. But um, the real reason for choosing it was that it's the last book that I remember my mum reading. Um, because as the dementia took its grip, um, she couldn't read anymore. And it was the last one that I remember her ever reading. Mm -hmm. I, that was um, around just before the pandemic. And I think you lost your mum during the yes. pandemic. It was, it, was actually, it was really difficult, that really. Yeah, because obviously, obviously nobody had an easy pandemic, but it was just that um, she'd just got moved into a nursing, into a, a care home just before lockdown started. Um, and it meant I couldn't visit either. And she must have really wondered what on earth had happened. But she died the June of the first year of the of the troubles. <laughs> I had a similar experience. My lovely dad um, was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and he was never too bad with it. Just his short term memory was absolutely uh -huh. awful. But his yeah. long term, he knew who I was. <clears throat> um, he was he was lovely in that respect. Um, you know, it was lovely because we could share a lot still, but his short term memory was poor. And he moved into a care home close to me a year before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And in the first year, it was wonderful because he'd come to us for Sunday lunch. We'd take yeah, him out. Yeah, we did exactly lunch, the same. All those lovely things. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit. And he, like your mum, he didn't understand why I was oh. standing outside the window. He said, come in, come in. Oh, you can't believe we did it now, can you? I can remember the standing outside and waving. And, and, and I don't think she really knew who I was by that point. It, was, it had gone. Mm. Yeah. And they, the staff got him to try talking to me on the phone while I was outside. And that just confused him more. You know, he, he was he just couldn't get it. Did you ever have one of those Zoom calls as well, where you're looking up an nostrils? <laughs> that, that, was, that was most peculiar because they'd hold the phone in front of her face. Yeah. Not because he was the end of her nose. Because she couldn't, didn't know who I was. I mean, she didn't have a clue. Absolutely no, just confusing. <laughs> then when I could go in right at the end, it was he died in the February and I went, I saw him on Christmas morning. Mm -hmm. And um, I couldn't take him home with me. It'd be the first Christmas we hadn't spent together, I think, yeah. ever. And he put out his arms to give me a hug. And I couldn't hug him. Ah, uh, yes, I don't. That was I, the last I time I was face yeah. to face with him. Other than that, it was just on the screen. Oh, and then when he was dying, I was allowed to go into his room, but I was told not to take off the mask, not to take off the apron. Oh. And my dad was dying. And I'd come oh. in the back door from the garden. I wasn't even seeing anyone else. I wasn't going to give him anything. He was dying anyway. And um, as soon as she, she said, well, I'll leave you on your own for a bit. As soon as she went out the door, off came the apron. The I virtually got on, onto the bed with him to give him a big hug. I didn't care. Well done, you. Uh, <laughs> no. I, my mum was in hospital when she died. And they actually, um, I, I, they said that I could go in and see her in the afternoon. And I went in. And as I arrived, they were wheeling her off to have tests done. So they told me not to hang about, that she was fine and that I could go and see her the following day. And I, within an hour of me getting home, they rang to tell me she died. So it was really just, oh, I just felt awful about it. I felt like I should have stayed and I should have, you know, you know, you just have that regret. I know. I know. I think back to it. And that, that was just horrible, horrible. But we did the best we could under the circumstances. Absolutely. We couldn't do any differently or more, could we? Absolutely. Exactly. 
Oh. <laughs> well, we've got to end on a happier note than that. Yeah, go on, you must. <laughs> what have we got down to? Oh, you didn't leave me a happy ending. So let's go on from after the pandemic. What's been <laughs> like since? Oh, you've travelled a lot. You haven't told me about your travels. I can, I can do you the happy ending if you like. I'll do mm. the happy ending. Because um, after losing mum, I was, I was at a pretty low, really. It had been a bit of a bad trot. And then we had all the lockdowns and whatever. And it was very lonely. It was difficult. I wasn't very well. But then things started to lift again. And I decided it was time for me. So I did a lot of things um, to turn my life around, really. Mm. So I, I lost five stone. I'd put oh, on a well amount of weight during lockdown. Comfort eating, I guess. Mm. Um, I reversed a type 2 diabetes diagnosis. I took up walking. Um, and I started to enjoy life again. Good. And all through it all, I've enjoyed throughout it all, doing the blogging. I've, I've loved the reading. I've loved the reviewing. And I hope to carry on doing it for some considerable time to come. We hope so too, because we love reading your books. And <laughs> I think you've lots of books. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and then last thing, um, what luxury will you take with you on this island? Do you know, I really thought about this one, but I decided, people often ask me, why don't I write myself? Mm. Because they think I might be able to. Mm. Um, but the reason I don't is because I've got zero imagination. And I've got, um, and I really don't want to put the effort in, which is awful, <laughs> but there you go. So what I'd like, if I'm stuck on a desert island, is I'd like a stock of notebooks, and I'd like a pen that won't run out of ink, please. And I'm sure I must have a story in there somewhere. Yeah, I look forward to reading that. <laughs> I can't get off my island now. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well, before I, I'd stay online, so I'd chat with you, but thank you from all of us authors for the wonderful job <laughs> you do supporting us introducing us to other readers and recommending wonderful books for us all to read thank you deborah bye-bye <laughs>